Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. This is David from the Think Leaders team. First off, I hope everybody is washing their hands and staying safe with everything going on. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why for the next few weeks, we are recording remotely, right? Taking the necessary precautions. So I hope you will bear with us with some of our necessary changes. Today, we're talking all about AI literacy and how we can promote these AI and digital literacies. I got the chance to talk with Hugo Bown Anderson. He is a data scientist at DataCamp. We had a really good conversation talking all about how we can promote and democratize AI. Uh, One of the things that he was really discussing that I found fascinating was this idea of computational anxiety, right? How so many members of society can oftentimes feel apprehensive or or afraid about uh, approaching a lot of these digital and AI issues and really what we can do to lessen that. We also talked all about the skills in organizations that are really going to be required for the next five to 10 years and what we can do about that. So Again, really informative, great discussion. So happy listening. Hey, everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. Today, we're talking all about AI literacy and how we can promote these types of literacy in our communities and also in the business world. Really excited today to have Hugen Baun Anderson, who is a data scientist at DataCamp. So, Hugo, welcome to IBM Think Leaders Podcast. Thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be on the show. To start us off, give us a little context about the conversation around AI and digital literacy. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about your own background and, and some of the work that you do with DataCamp? DataCamp specializes in online learning for data science, machine learning, AI, all of these data-centric and computational-related technologies and frameworks. And essentially, being dedicated to data science allows DataCamp to do a lot of interesting in-browser coding exercises. Essentially, part of the value proposition is we'll spin up a computational engine so that you can start writing code almost immediately after having some introductory videos by thought leaders and experts and people who write the packages. So we're dedicated, essentially, to democratizing data science education. We're doing our best to educate more generally. So we're having non-coding courses for executives and business leaders to learn what they need to know about machine learning, AI, dashboards, and these types of things. I've seen in a lot of your work, you talk about this, quote unquote, computational anxiety, the really interesting turn of phrase. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, how you go about decreasing this computational anxiety that that maybe some of the general public feels about this issue. Essentially, it's an anxiety around uh, writing code, doing programming, thinking statistically, thinking mathematically, uh, and and doing this type of work. Even, Even culturally, we tend to put people in boxes, and it's a relatively small amount who are actually told they're they're good at computation and good at math. It's also pretty gendered um, and, and broken across, you know, class and and racial lines. Uh, who are a lot of gatekeepers who we actually allow culturally to have access to these technologies and this type of education, or you get some <laughs> early wins. And that's actually how the reason I mention it. That's how I think about helping or facilitating people to get over this type of anxiety. So setting up tooling and infrastructure so that people can actually have early wins. They can discover something in the data sets that they're working with pretty much pretty much straight away. When people say to me they kind of want to get into data science, what should they do? I always tell them to pick up a project on something that interests them and figure out, hack out the tools they need in order to, to work through that project. So if you're a foodie, go and scrape some Yelp reviews of restaurants in your neighborhood and, and, and check them out. If you're into fitness and you have a fitness tracker, download that data. 
The other two prongs, I think, are tooling. I think Python has come a long way. I think the R ecosystem and R Studio has done an incredible job in providing tools that allow people to do data analysis, machine learning, AI, um, get up and running really quickly, and education. So early wins, tooling, education. There is a question of if we make tooling too easy, are we equipping people to be dangerous? So tell me a little bit more what you what you mean by that. I think hiring flows is probably one example where it's now clear that this can be incredibly dangerous. Um, as we saw from the recruiting tool that Amazon scrapped last year, which had a bias in their hiring flow, whereby yeah. resumes of female applicants were scrapped at a far higher rate than males. So if you encode the type of bias in data sets in these algorithms or in your training data, for, for example, you're going to get biased results. If we make tools that are too easy to use, people are going to make mistakes such as this and be dangerous. But if we embed educational devices in tooling to correct these types of challenges, I think that may be definitely a direction forward. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, a major topic on our IBM Think Leaders podcast has been around bias in AI and AI explainability and, and what we can do to increase fairness, transparency, things of that nature. So I'm very curious from your perspective with, with some of the students, how are they going about some of this exposure to bias in AI? Is that still a relatively new concept for them or is this something they've been exposed to? I'm just curious to, to hear from your viewpoint where you think we are in that conversation. The short answer is it's definitively in the cultural consciousness now and part of the zeitgeist and it's time to really jump on top of it. I also see that you know, part of your work is to help spread these digital skills throughout organizations. In your experience, what have been some of the skills that you find are lacking within these, these organizations around digital skills? Okay, first, in infrastructural skills. And actually, I'm talking about data engineering. I know that data science is purportedly the sexiest job of the 21st century. Um, <laughs> but in all honesty, the markets on the supply side is getting more and more saturated. Jobs are getting more and more specialized. And I think we're going to see some sort of bubble burst with respect to quote-unquote data science. So if you want to break into data science but want to build up critical infrastructure and be guaranteed, well, almost guaranteed a relatively good salary, I would look into data engineering as well. So I think these types of infrastructural skills in organizations, setting up the, the data stack essentially are lacking pretty much across the board. Then basic technical skills, analytical skills, basic coding, some statistics, your classic data analyst, these types of skills can be spread more through orgs. Then you have kind of robust principled statistical modeling skills, which are going to be more and more in need. And then the math and like hardcore machine learning engineering skills. The last type of skill, which I think is the one that really answers your question, which is lacking the most, how decisions are made and how data is used to inform decision making. So these come down to training decision makers and business leaders and executives on how to use dashboards, how to think about if they need to write any basic SQL, and actually how to incorporate the data function into the decision-making process. And this essentially is, I suppose they call it like the decision science interface. McKinsey has done a lot of work in developing a new role called data translator um, or, or, or data translation. Okay. And, and essentially, this is an interface between decision makers and, and data scientists who have enough technical knowledge and enough domain expertise. Another topic that frequently comes up on this podcast is kind of this multidisciplinary perspective that's being kind of embedded in the field. Where, where do you stand on that? Because here you are talking about democratizing AI. Are most of the people that you are, you're dealing with and that you're educating, are they coming about it from more of a, a, a 
traditional tech background or are they coming about it from all different perspectives? Having a mixture of computational skills, of mathematical, statistical skills and of domain expertise. And essentially, you want to build out teams that have a combination of these different skills. I think ideally, well, very hopefully, um, each company already has the domain expertise and then they either need to hire or train people um, in the math and stats and, and, and the computational stuff. I, I think the other thing to mention, and this harks back to the idea of interfaces, um, you know, between data function and, and decision function. If you do have someone skilled at math and stats in, in your org and someone good at the uh, computational stuff and someone with the domain expertise, figuring out how they can work together as well as possible and clarifying that they're speaking about the same thing. There's a challenge that they'll miss each other a lot. So investing in the cultural aspect of making sure uh, that these human interfaces work as, as well as possible. Well, I'd love, uh, Hugo, for you to explain that. What, what are some of the cultural aspects that they would have to invest in that you, that you mentioned? I, I think that if someone has domain expertise and another person doesn't, but they have the statistical skills, making sure that the question framed in the language of the domain is translated properly into a statistical question. So one cultural challenge is making sure that the question specified in the language of finance or in the language of health is translated into language of math, statistics, and machine learning or statistical modeling correctly so that the answer makes sense. If you had a crystal ball and you were looking at uh, education over the next five, 10 years, how do you imagine that uh, education is going to change in order to be more accommodating to some of these necessary skills? Definitely going to be moving more and more online. And of course, I'd like to mention the elephant in the room, which is coronavirus currently, right? This is something where we're actually seeing a huge number of institutions. You and I are both in New York and the public schools mm -hmm closing down this week. So thinking about education in general, moving online is something which is in incredibly relevant. A lot of people several years ago wanted to learn R. A lot of people still want to learn R, but a lot of people want to learn Python now. And I think we need to remember that these are tools. So learning Python is good, but you need to understand some conceptual frameworks for how to actually answer business questions and questions about the world and turn it into kind of knowledge and wisdom and, and decision making as, as we've been speaking about. And the point there is that in two years, Python may not be the answer. A lot of this stuff, as I said, may be happening in Tableau and, and Looker. I mean, these two companies recently had incredibly large acquisitions by massive companies. So I think the writing's on the wall there. So I would urge people when thinking about the broader education space, to know that when they're learning a tool, they're investing in something that may be transient as, as well. It may not be Python in two or three years. Make sure to figure out the softer skills, some of the conceptual skills, know how to do stuff, but know essentially develop data intuition, statistical intuition and statistical thinking. So Hugo, if we have somebody who is maybe less background into, into this space, but wants to get more involved on a very entry level, how would you recommend that they get their initial exposure? I, I would suggest checking out Datacamp. On top of that, I actually think one of the big things missing in the educational space is conversations about what career looks like. What the like, There are lots of educational resources on tools and machine learning, yada, yada, yada. But real, like robust, big conversations about the nuances of what the professional space looks like. And I, once again, shameless self-promotion, I directly put a data frame for the podcast that I hosted for and produced for, for a couple of years to think about those things. There are a number of great books. I think if you want to get into the R space, Hadley Wickham has some wonderful introductions to data science. Jake Vanderplas in Python has an O'Reilly book. 
Uh, I think it's called the Python Data Science Handbook, something along those lines. O'Reilly's, they've got a lot of good stuff coming out on data and AI. Um, ODSC, the Open Data Science Conference, has a wonderful blog. We have a community uh, website and blog on, on, on DataCamp. The other thing, clearly not right now, although a lot may be happening virtually, go to meetups, talk to people, and try to hack out some some projects yourself of things that you're you're interested in. So I think for our final question for our discussion today, I'd love to get a little more personal and, and Hugo really dip into what created your own uh, involvement and, and fascination with AI. So yeah, it'd be great to hear about your experience and what drew you into the space. Um, I grew up in Sydney. I, I went to Sydney University. Uh, I did an undergrad in humanities and math with a double major in pure and applied math. Then I went to grad school at the University of New South Wales and actually did my PhD in pure math. I was looking for a postdoc in more applied math. And I ended up going to Germany. And there's a big Max Planck Institute for Cell Biology and Genetics in Dresden. So I, I joined a lab there as a doing applied math, mathematical biology. I was working with biologists who were you know, doing experiments and generating like just loads and loads of data on, on a daily basis. So I realized part of my job now was to become data savvy. Uh, I learned Python and R around the same time, actually, for, for obscure reasons, I learned both. But essentially, that got me really involved in thinking about data science, data analytics, using a lot of machine learning in, in, in some of our work. And the natu- that naturally led to what we now call AI, which essentially is an amalgamation of data science, data analysis, machine learning, and essentially productionizing these types of things. I like that. And I think that's a good way to end our conversation. So Hugo, uh, I really uh, appreciate you uh, joining us on IBM Think Leaders. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a great chat. I really appreciate you listening to IBM Think Leaders podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Love for you to share it with your friends, uh, have them subscribe. And also as a public safety announcement, don't forget to practice some social distancing and wash your hands. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.